like to say good morning and greet you all this morning in the precious name of Jesus. I appreciate this, appreciate it, the Sunday school hour, the singing, devotional. And I wonder how many of you this morning were glad that you were not the teacher of the adult classes this morning. I told my wife I was glad I wasn't the teacher. Uh, always a challenge to teach out the Song of Solomon, but I appreciated what was shared. I was challenged and it was encouraging. Well, here we are. It's Sunday morning already, and you have been faithful in attending here this week, and I appreciated that a lot. But here, Sunday mornings are always special. I think that I sometimes tell our congregation there's no other place I'd rather be in God's house with God's people and God's word. And when you have that, you are setting yourself up for an opportunity to be blessed. And so it's good to be here on a Sunday morning with you all. I'd like to share this morning a message on family, on parenting. You know, friends, if we want a church that is aflame, like we talked about one evening, that becomes reality when we have families that are in tune with God. Uh, as the families go, so goes the church. We cannot have a church that is on fire and aflame and burning through the gates of hell without having families that are in tune with God. And so it's a message that is very close to my heart. And I realize there's some of you probably sitting here this morning at this very moment and saying, oh, well, this one's going to miss me because I'm not a mom and dad or, you know, no, it, we're not going to, I don't think the word of God is going to miss you this morning, whoever you are. And so please stick with it and don't tune it out because I believe that God through his spirit will direct something to our heart that we need today. I just trust God for that. So I invite you to become a part of this message. Every time I share on parenting, I'm well aware that there are probably, in a, in a congregation this size this morning, there's probably moms and dads sitting here, or grandmas and grandpas, that have hearts that are bleeding, hurting hearts because of children that have walked away from truth, and not where you would desire them to be this morning. I'm aware of that. You know, I think, I've gone through some hard things in life, but I think the most painful thing that I could experience is to have a son or daughter walk away from God. I believe that, and for those of you that are here this morning that are experiencing that, you know, I haven't felt that pain, and so I can't say I feel your pain, but I can tell you this morning that I care, and I want to comfort this morning you know, God does not guarantee that our children will, will uh, choose life. He doesn't guarantee that. And why some of them don't, we don't understand that. But to you parents this morning that may have bleeding hearts, I trust this message will also encourage you. One of the greatest tragedies of our time that I've seen in my lifetime is not uh, COVID-19, or not 911, or not some tsunami, or the Haiti earthquake. The greatest tragedy of our time that I've seen in my lifetime is the dismantling, the dissolution, the breakdown of family. A mom and dad that are married and have children is not normal anymore. And friends, 
that has unmeasurable consequences that I don't think the political parties of our day understand, the governing bodies of our day, they do not understand the consequences of the breakdown of family. We were at an airport not too long ago, uh, waiting on a flight. Oh, this may have been a couple years ago. And I, I like to get there early, and I like to watch people, and I was watching this, what looked like a family, and I was amazed. I mean, they had young children, they had middle-aged children, they had uh, older teenagers, and they were just functioning like a family should function. And I was amazed. I watched them, and I told Karen, I'm going to go talk to these people. Said, oh, no, no, yeah, I don't want to talk to these people. And so I went over and talked to him, and I said, are you a family? Is this a family? Yes, we, this is our family. And I said, well, where are you going? And he said, well, our oldest son is flying, to, he was flying somewhere to do mission work. And I said, well, how did you all get in here? You're not flying. No, he said, they said, we're not flying out. I said, well, how do you get in here? Because you can't do that anymore, right? I mean, only the people that have tickets are back. Way. Oh, they said, if, if you've got a missionary you're sending off, a family member, you can get in here. Well, praise the Lord, I was glad to know that. But I complimented, I said, you are a blessing to see. This is so unusual in our world today to see somebody functioning as a family. And I bless them. You know, in America, not only have they redefined marriage, but they're talking about redefining who a family is. Do you know that? They're talking about this, that a family could be one man and two women or children. They're saying that. How ridiculous. But see, friends, when you go outside of God's design, there is no limit. And that's what we're seeing happen in America today. There is no limit when you go outside of God's design. There's no boundaries. USA Today reported a survey that said 39%, 39% of Americans say that marriage is obsolete. Can you believe that, friends? God help us. The United States of America has the world's highest rate of children living in single-parent homes. Can you believe that? There is an endless list of discouraging statistics. But friends, this morning, I want to encourage families. This morning, I want to encourage families. I want to be positive this morning. The title of the message is Parenting with Confidence. And I want to encourage everybody this morning that is a part of a family, which is every one of you sitting here today, in some way, some shape, some form, we're part of a family. And obviously, I'm going to, at times, it's going to feel like I'm talking to moms and dads or those that will be future moms and dads or grandmas and grandpas. But you know, we are all part of a family this morning. And I'm here to declare to you this morning by the authority of the Word of God that we can embrace family and parenting with confidence today. Confidence, friends. Not in ourselves, no. Not in ourselves, not in our abilities, not in the head knowledge we may have or the experience we may have, not in our strength, not in our power. My friends, this morning, I encourage you to parent with confidence because the author 
and the originator of family is God. And God doesn't make mistakes. And so we can move forward this morning. I have people, young people especially, come up to me and they, and they look at the condition of the world like, do I really want to get married? Do I really want to have, a fam- have children, have a family? And the condition of the world is absolutely. You better believe it. God planned it. God designed it. And we can move. That's why we don't want to dwell on the statistics because they're dismal. But for God's people, family is positive. It's his plan. And we need to move forward. We can have confidence. And so this morning I want to go to the scripture and I'm going to give you what I call confidence builders for parenting. And again, just I'll say it one more time, get it straight. I'm not talking about confidence in ourselves, but we're talking about confidence from in and from God in the word of God. You can turn with me to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let him have dominion, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image, and the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. And God let, let me back up a second here before I finish reading this. My first confidence builder I want to give you here this morning that family is God's idea and God's plan. So here in verse 27, God created man. He created him male and female, mom and dad. And God blessed mom and dad. And God said to mom and dad, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. God created men and women, moms and dads. He blessed them. He said, I want you to be fruitful. I want you to replenish the earth. I want you to fill the earth with more people, have children, have family. Family comes from God. It's his plan. It is his design. Two women cannot multiply. Two men cannot multiply and replenish the earth, and they got all kinds of fancy names they call that today, but friends, what it really is, it's sin. We need to acknowledge that. That's all it is. It's just sin. And this morning, as I look out over the congregation, I see something beautiful. Beautiful. I see a mom, a man and a woman that are married, and they have children sitting there beside them and between them, Friends, this morning, that is beautiful. It's God's way. It's his plan. It cannot be proved improved upon. And God said this in verse 26. He said, and God blessed mom and dad. God blessed them. He blessed the family. And I would like to say this morning, if you're sitting here and you meet this criteria of a man and woman that are married and you got children, you have God's blessing resting upon you. My friends, this morning, that is a confidence builder that you can grab and take a hold on. And this blessing is foundational for you to take on parenting and confidence. God's blessing rests upon you. It's wonderful. And you know, maybe there's 
widows or widowers sitting here this morning that are raising a family by themselves, or maybe there's a, a, a single parent for some situation, and that single parent, you're here this morning, and you're serving God, and you're walking with God. I want to tell you something I have seen happen in our circles when there's a single parent that is serving God, and they're raising a family and children, God's blessing pours out in buckets fulls upon them. He blesses them just like he does the married couple sitting here this morning. All right, now I'd like for you to go with me to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 1. Now these are the commandments, the statutes, the judgments, which the Lord your God commanded to teach you, that ye might do them in the land whither you go to possess it. That thou mightest fear the Lord thy God, to keep all his statutes and his commandments, which I command thee, thou and thy son, and thy son's sons, all the days of thy life, and that thy days may be prolonged. Hear therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it, that it may be well with thee, and that ye may be that ye may increase mightily as the Lord God of thy fathers hath promised thee in the land that floweth with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thy house and when thou walkest by the way and when thou liest down and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. And thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house and on thy gates. The second confidence builder I would like to give you this morning is to love God with all. In verse 5, a verse that all of us probably know by heart. Love God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. You know what the word all means? I got this from Brother Richard Herr years ago. He said, all means all, and that's all that all means. Friends, this morning, I know parenting can seem so complicated and so difficult, but I want to tell you, I'm giving you a basis this morning. The very first step in parenting is right here. Love God with all. You get that down, friends, and you are on your way. He said in verse 6, And these words which I command thee shall be in thine heart, not just on your lips, mom and dad, but in your heart. Successful parenting starts right here. You can read books, and you can go to seminars, and there's nothing wrong with that. But successful parenting starts when you love God. With all your heart. I quote my son Travis. He said about parenting, he said, It doesn't work to be a hypocrite. You're right. Someone else said, and I quote, Children are really smart. They can spot a false, or they can spot a fake from farther away than you can live. Think about that. Our children know what we love. They figure it out. They're smart. 
They figure out what we love. They figure out where our time goes. They figure out what our priorities are. They figure out what we focus on. Their children figure it out. They're smart and they know what we love. And so it is imperative, friends, that we love God with all of our hearts. There was a preacher one time that had three boys. There's a farmer and one day a stray black dog came around their farm. Eventually those boys adopted that dog, got attached to it. And one day the preacher was in town and he ran into another man that had, some, had, had lost his dog and he had somehow heard that his dog might be out on the preacher's farm. And so they talked about that and the preacher said, well, and the, and the man said, I can identify if he's my dog because he said, my dog, it's a black dog, but he's got three white hairs in his tail. And the preacher said, well, you can come out and take a look at him. So the man came out, looked at the dog. He couldn't find the white hairs because the preacher had pulled him out. Now the preacher and the boys kept the dog, but the preacher lost his boys. Love God with all your heart. The third confidence builder I would give you is to lead by example. Here in Deuteronomy, if you back up to chapter 5, verse 29, he says, Oh, that there were such a heart in them, they would, they would fear me and keep all my commandments always, that it might be well with them and with their children forever. And then you come down to chapter 6 where we read, and he says, here's the commandments. Here's, here's what God has given us. This is how we are to live and love the Lord. And he says, I've given you your commandments to teach you that ye might do them. Now the ye is mom and dad. God's law is given to us so that mom and dad do them, obey them, live them. In verse 2, that thou, my mom and dad, wouldest fear the Lord thy God to keep all his statutes. I command thee, mom and dad, that thou and thy son and thy son's sons, that their days may be, he said, obeying so your days are prolonged. Lead by example. Your spirituality, mom and dad, is your children's reference of what God is and what God expects. Your children look at you and they say, oh, so mom and dad are a Christian, and so this is what it takes to be a Christian. Have you ever thought about that? That's kind of scary, friends. That's what it takes to be a Christian. And so if I get almost there, it would probably be all right. We need to lead by example. And we need to set the spiritual bar high, friends. We need to set it high. Because our children look at us, and that's our reference to God and what God expects of them. Lead by example. Your children may not do as you say, but they will certainly do as you do. 
Now, Proverbs 22, verse 6, a verse that is often quoted in child training, parenting, uh, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. And we put a lot of emphasis and a lot of discussion and, and a lot of debate on what that means. So like, why, when my child gets old, why has he forgotten what I said? He hasn't forgotten what he said. He may not be listening to what, or obeying what you have said, but he hasn't forgotten it. But I think the emphasis of the, that verse should be on training up a child in the way he should go. How do you best train up a child in the way they should go? You do it by leading by example. Far more effective than what you say. Your children's adult character will be determined far more by what you do than what you say. Your ch children's honesty will likely be a revelation of your honesty. Your children's attitude will probably reflect your attitude. Your children's uh, selfishness or non-selfishness will be a reflection of yours. If your children have an aptness to take, to take advantage of people, it may be reflecting what they've seen in our hearts. And we could go on and on down the list. Along with leading by example, along with the Sunday school lesson this morning, I'd like to say this. One of the most important lessons that you can teach your children by example is to have a godly marriage. And we heard about that this morning, my friends, this morning. We need to understand how important it is that we model a godly marriage in front of our children. That means that the husband is to love his wife as he loves himself, as Christ loved the church. The wife is to submit and love, to her, and, love and respect her husband. And they're both to love each other. And if we think that somehow we can do less than that and we can fake our children out, we're wrong. Model a godly marriage in front of your children. Lead them by example. As I think about leading by example, I think about a man by the name of Danny Gingrich. He's a Amish deacon from the state of Wisconsin. And one day somebody came to his house and knocked on his door. And it was a representative from the oil fracking business, and he said, Mr. Gingrich, we have, uh, what do you call it, we have researched your farm, he was a farmer, and we have determined that there's a large amount of uh, deposit underneath your farm that is very valuable to the oil fracking business, and I'm here today and I have a contract for $15 million if you will allow us to uh, take out whatever they take out replace the earth, $15 million. And Danny said, I'll think about it. And the man left. And so Danny and his wife, Ida, they got their 10 married children together and they discussed this proposition. And they came to the conclusion that such a large sum of money would take away the need for their 10 children and 59 grandchildren to work. And so the family concluded it would have a negative effect on their prosperity. The oil man, oil man came back and he shoved that contract in front of Danny and Danny said, no, we decided not to do it. And he took his pen and he changed it to $17 million and Danny said, no thanks, see you later. Friends, to this morning, that's how you lead by example. That's how you show your children what contentment is. And I'm not saying that we can never accept it. Please get me right what I'm saying this morning. I'm saying that this man did not need to stand in front of his congregation and preach a message on contentment. He led the way by example. And his children knew where his heart was. Lead by example. 
Confidence builder number four I want to give you. Now we'll go to the New Testament, Ephesians chapter 6. Nurture your children. Ephesians chapter 6, one verse and verse 4. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Bible says that we are to bring our children up and nurture them. That word nurture most strongly means to train them or to teach them, to instruct them, to discipline them. And so we can say, bring them up in the training of the Lord. That is what God's word tells us to do with our children. Train them in the ways of God. And we might say, well, you know, we pay a lot of tuition to the school. They need to do their job. They, they need to have Bible class, and they need to teach our children to memorize the scripture and sing good godly songs and all this stuff. And I'll tell you, friends, that's good. It's fine. I can appreciate that. But it is not the school's responsibility to teach your children the ways of God. It is not. That is mom and dad's responsibility, not the teacher's job, not the principal's job. Brother John Slable, our dear bishop, said this, the most significant impact you can make in God's kingdom is to teach your children to follow God. We can have confidence in family and parenting when we're training children to godliness. Training them in the ways of God. There are a lot of families sitting here this morning, young middle-aged families and children, and you are in the middle of it. And I, we have been there, and, and I can remember back, and I understand it is a job. How do you train your children to godliness? I think probably every mom and dad sitting here this morning wants that. You desire that. You want your children to follow God. And how do you train them to get there? I don't have all the answers this morning. I really don't. But I'd like to give you something this morning, a basic place to start. In Exodus chapter 20, you don't have to turn there. I'm not going to turn there. In Exodus chapter 20, what do we have? Can someone tell me? What's there? Ten commandments. Very good. God said this. He said, thou shalt not kill. Now, did God, when he said, thou shalt not kill, like, did he really mean that? Or did he mean that, well, you know, it's, don't do it too often. <laughs> don't make a habit of it. What do you mean? No, he meant that we should not kill. Don't do it. God said, thou shalt not commit adultery. Did he mean that it's not a good thing? And, you know, but if you slip once in a while, it's not too bad. That's not what he meant. He said, don't do it. Thou shalt not, what, envy, covet the neighbor's house or anything he has? That's exactly what God meant. When God says no, he means no. That's an important concept that we as adults need to understand about God. And you can follow that concept from Genesis to the book of Revelation. The whole way through, God is consistent. It's there the whole way through. It is basic for every Christian. God requires complete obedience. Friends, this morning, 
training children in the ways of God starts at the same place. Train your children that no means no. Train your children that when you say come, that means come. Train your children that when you say don't do that, that means stop and don't do that. If you tell your children no, don't do that, and they keep right on doing what they were doing, you have got a problem. And don't ignore that problem. Now, I, we are human, okay? We raise children. We know exactly how this works, all right? And I, one thing that I hear a lot, I, yeah, I hear it, okay? And whether it's our church or whether it's your church or somebody else's church, you're around a bunch of people and the children. And did you ever notice, by the way, did you ever notice that your children misbehave their worst when the preacher's around? Ever see that? The preacher comes to visit like, oh, your children, they were so good, and how can they act like this in front of the preachers? But I have heard this quite often. You know, moms and dads are telling, don't do this, Johnny. Don't do this, Mary. And they keep right on doing it, and don't do this, and, and please stop. And finally, an exasperation mom or dad says, they need a nap. Huh? Yeah? They need a nap. Yeah, they may need a nap, but they also need to learn that no means no. Pursue training until that child learns the concept of God, that no means no. There is nothing easy about this process, friends. There's nothing fast about it. It's line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little and there a little, day after day after day after day. That's why you get tired. But if your child doesn't get it, that no means no, when they're young, they'll run right through the stop signs that God puts in their life when they're older. The word no is a complete thought. Like N-O period. And any child that grows up without learning that no means no is at a huge disadvantage. It doesn't guarantee that your child will choose God but you can parent in confidence that you have nurtured and trained them in the ways of God and given them opportunity to understand what no means. And I would like to say this yet about training your children, disciplining, instructing them. All of that, whatever you want to call it, however you do it, has little value unless you have a relationship with them. Because you see, discipline Rules. Rules without relationship breeds rebellion. And so it is imperative that you have a relationship. Discipline alone will tend to separate their heart from your heart. But when you have a relationship with your child and you discipline, it has a strong, compelling effect that draws them to you and towards God. It is amazing. The next confidence builder I want to give you, you can turn me to Psalm 78.
Psalm 78. Uh, we will just read May verses, start at 5, 6, and 7. For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they should make known to their children, that the generation to come might know them, even the children which should be born, who should arise and declare them to their children, that they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. Here's the confidence builder I want to give you. Consider your children as a life mission. Now, he talks about here in, in Psalm 78 about God's people, and they had the law. They had the law of God. And he said, you have the law. Now, I want you to tell your children what the law is. Teach it to them. Have them understand who God is, what he is, what he expects, what the results are. Make it known to your children so that when they become moms and dads, they can teach it to your grandchildren and they too know what God expects. And you do all of this so that they set their hope in God and not something else. And it's a wonderful passage and it gives history, but we're not going to go this, there this morning. Your children are your life mission field. And I think about Noah... The Bible says that he was a preacher of righteousness. And it says there in, in chapter 11 of Hebrews that by faith Noah built an ark, prepared an ark for the saving of his household. And I read that again this morning or yesterday and like, wow. I know Noah got up on that lumber stack and he preached the, God, the message and the door was open. He said, come into the ark and nobody would listen to him. But the Bible says specifically that he prepared that ark for the saving of his own household. How many people went in the ark? Eight people, knowing his wife, three sons, three daughters, his family. And yet the Bible says he was a preacher of righteousness. In a hundred years, he preached, just his family got saved. When you become parents, you become missionaries. It's serious stuff. And parents, when you view your children as your greatest mission field on this earth, that is a tremendous incentive to keep on parenting. Your children they're born sinners. They're beautiful. And man, they're sitting here perfectly quiet this morning. Beautiful little children. But they're born sinners. They're little rebels in their heart. That's what they are. Uh, the, when they don't get their way, they cry. And when you tell them, no, don't do that, and they don't like that, they might roll on the floor and throw a tantor, temper tantrum. Because they're little rebels in their heart. And frankly, this morning, your children need to be born again. They were born once of flesh and blood in a hospital or a birthing center somewhere, but they need to be born again into the kingdom of God. They need Jesus in their heart. And you are their missionary. Fathers, expect your children to get saved. I had a father tell me one time, he said, this is how I talk to my children. He said, I say, Jonathan, when you are a Christian, then so-and-so. 
And Sally, when you become a Christian, then so and so, expect your children to get saved. Expect them to be part of the church. Expect them to contribute to the church. Expect them to be builders of God's kingdom. Joshua said, but as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Here we go, children. Abram was a man that God chose because God said, I know his heart and he will command his children after. He's going to compel them to come and follow in his footsteps. That's what we need to do, Father said. This is the way to go. This is the way to holiness. I had a father tell me one time, and there was a difficulty going on, and, and decisions were being made as teenage boys. And he said, I told my son, you know, whatever you decide to do, I'll support you. Whoa! No! Show him the way to go. Parents, missionaries, your children have a soul. Oh, how precious is that soul to you this morning? I understand, again, we cannot force them to choose right and to choose life and to choose God, but are we, are we willing to do what we need to do as often as we got to do it for the saving of their soul? You know, Jesus Christ is coming back again someday. The trumpet's going to blow, and that will be the end. Do you ever think about this? That someone is going to be the last one to get saved? Someone will be the last one to get saved. Mom and dad, that last one to be saved could be your son, your daughter, your grandchild. So keep on working in that mission field of the family until Gabriel blows the trumpet. Next confidence builder is maybe a rather unusual. Mom and dads, grandma and grandpa, stay on the porch. Now I'm not going to go to Luke 15 and read. Maybe I'll reference one verse, the prodigal son. When he decided to come back, it says he arose and came to his father. And while he was yet a great way off, his father saw him. And I know I'm taking liberty this morning to maybe paint a picture. But in my mind's eye, dad was on the porch. He was looking and he was watching. You know what, friends? The son knew where to find truth. Because dad, he knew Dad was going to stay on the porch. He knew that Grandma and Grandpa were going to stay on the porch. They were going to stay on the, the porch of truth. Stay on the porch, moms and dads. If you've got a child, a teenager, a young person that wants to go the wrong way, don't follow them to the city. Don't go part way with them. Don't compromise. Don't say, oh, you know what? I don't like what you're doing, but, it, you know, okay, I'll let you have the TV in your room as long as you stay home. Or Don't compromise. Don't be okay with the beer parties. Don't be okay with the girlfriend, the girlfriend from the city. Stay on the porch of truth. My friends, oh, it hurts my heart. It burns my heart when I see uh, 
families and, and young people go the wrong way and they head for the city, as it were, and mom and dad go part way there with them. Stay on the porch. Stay on truth. Maintain principles and doctrine and application. Stay on your porch so that your sons and your daughters know where to find God. Keep the light of the gospel, light of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ on. Stand on truth. Don't compromise. Grandmas and grandpas, stay on the porch of truth so that our children and our grandchildren have a point of reference of God and truth. And they can find their way to God. Parenting with confidence doesn't mean our children will choose God. It doesn't mean that we've got the answers or the ability or the talent to do this job. It means that we can have confidence that family is right. God's way is right. Follow God's way. God's blessing rests upon family. Pursue family with confidence, friends, tonight. Hit it this morning. Pursue it. God ordained it. Be passionate about it. Be enthused about it. There are great rewards. There is no greater joy than to see your children walk in truth. Someone's son and daughter, son or daughter, will be the last one saved. It may be yours. I'm going to close with something for the moms and the grandmas and well, that's the next to last thing. And then I'm going to close with something to the fathers. For the mothers and grandmas this morning, I've got a song that I want to read. Somebody, somewhere, was praying that night. When Jesus came in and I saw the light, it must have been Mama. I heard her before. Her prayers touched the Master as her tears touched the floor. Just an old-fashioned mama, but she loved the Lord. No, I'm sorry. She held to the altar and wouldn't give in till she knew all her children had been born again. Just an old-fashioned mama, but she loved the Lord, and her prayers touched the master as her tears touched the floor. Thank you, mama, for praying for me. If you had not prayed, then where would I be? They call you old-fashioned, but you love the Lord, and your prayers... Touch a master as your tears touch a floor. Moms and grandmas, never, never, ever, ever quit praying for your children and grandchildren. There's many, many young people, married people, sitting in our churches today as a result of moms' faithful prayers. And then to you that are fathers this morning, or have been fathers, or may be fathers someday, I invite you to turn to Exodus chapter 12 with me. And 
Exodus chapter 12, we have the last of the ten plagues. We just come through the plague number nine. And God said, that's it. I'm going to bring my children, my people out of Egypt. And here's how I'm going to do it. It's going to be the, the death of the firstborn. And I don't need to read this. You all know this story. Um, just to refresh what's going to happen here in verse 12 of chapter 12. God said, For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night, and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt. I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. And the blood shall be to you a token upon the houses where ye are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. So God had given them specific instructions. He told them, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to come through at midnight, and I'm going to smite the firstborn in every household. But he said, you can be safe by putting the blood on the door of your home. And he gave them specific instructions. He told them the first month of the year, I believe it was, it was the 10th day of the month. Every dad was to go out and he was to get a lamb and he was to bring it in to their house, keep it by the house, the 10th day of the month. And then the 14th day of the month, they were going to slay that lamb and they were going to get the blood and put it on the doorpost at home. He told them what to do with the meat and the story was on. Well, here's what happened. Verse 21. Then Moses called for all the elders of Israel, said, Unto them, draw out and take you a lamb according to your families and kill the Passover. And you shall take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin and strike the lintel and the two side posts with the blood that is in the basin. And none of you shall go out of the door of his house until the morning. And then we jump down to verse 29. It came to pass at midnight the Lord smote all the firstborn in the land of Egypt from the firstborn of Pharaoh, firstborn of Pharaoh that sat on his throne, under the firstborn of the captive that was in the dungeon, and all the firstborn of cattle. And Pharaoh rose up in the night, he and all his servants and all the Egyptians, and there was a great cry in Egypt, for there was not a house where there's not one dead. This morning, fathers, men, I'm going to take the liberty to use my imagination and make a point that I think is valid here. There was a lot of drama that went on that night. I would like for us men this morning to imagine that we're an Israelite father. Can you do that with me? Just sit back and let's imagine that we are an Israelite father. We are going through this experience. And so the day has come, the 14th day of the month. Four days ago we got that lamb in. The day has come. And so maybe we knock off work early that day because our hearts are heavy. We know what this day means. This is a big day. There is life at stake here. We have children. And so the Bible says that they were to slay this lamb in the evening. So at some point, Moses gave the call. Now is the time. So the call came, and I, as a dad, I went out. We took that lamb. And our children gathered around, and they're watching. And they had become attached to this lamb. Four days' time, it was their pet, maybe. And they saw Daddy take that knife. And he slit that lamb's throat, and he had a bowl there, and he caught all that blood, carefully caught all the blood. And he set that aside, and then he, he butchered the lamb, and, and they followed the, the instructions. They were to, to eat this lamb. They followed all the instructions, and then he took that blood, and he went to the doorpost of his home, and he took a homemade paintbrush, we would say, and he painted the side post of the door, both sides, and he painted the lintel of the door with that blood, just as God had instructed him to do. They ate their Passover meal or whatever you want to call it. 
Darkness came upon the earth. Everything was settling down. They were in the house. God's word instruction had been, don't go outside the door until morning. So he faithfully, carefully followed the instructions from God through Moses. Nighttime came, and I'm using my imagination, but maybe 9 o'clock or so, he says, children, it's time for you to go to bed. Reads them a nighttime story, sends them up to bed, kisses them goodnight. And the evening wears on, darkness, maybe a candle between the two chairs, mom and dad sitting there, and a book on their lap, but not really reading because their hearts are heavy. And maybe 10 o'clock, maybe daddy says to mom, honey, why don't you go upstairs, go to bed, I'll be along. And so she moves off. And so dad sits there by himself in candlelight, semi-darkness, 11 o'clock, 11.30, and he hears footsteps coming down from upstairs. And he looks, and it's his oldest child, his son. He says, son. Why aren't you sleeping? It's late. And the son says, Daddy, I can't sleep. Why can't you sleep? Daddy, I'm scared. What are you scared of? Well, I'm scared because I know what's going to happen tonight. Dad takes his son, and he can't take him outside the door, but perhaps he can open the door, and he says, Son, look. Look. Look at the blood. All that blood that came out of the lamb, I put it all on the sides and the top of the doorpost. I put it all on, son. I've done everything I can. You are safe. You can go back up to bed. You're safe. Fathers, this morning, are your children spiritually safe under your care and under your leadership? Have you applied the blood, as it were, to the doorpost of your home? Have you raised the spiritual bar high? God won't hold us accountable for what our children choose, but he will hold us accountable for getting the blood on the doorpost of our home. And then you can parent with confidence.